Hi, it's JP Mac, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. So I'm checking through social media for ideas for this week's show, and I found this story on The Blaze. It's called CNN Ridiculed for Blaming Pets for Impact on Climate Change, Advocating Insect-Based Food and Adopting Small Rodents Instead of dogs and this article is from uh, October 23rd 22 by Paul Saka and so I'm reading this and it's basically commentary on the story that CNN did uh, it just made me wonder um, what is the matter with these people what's the matter with the people who would write such a story and have such an idea where they're really obsessed with the uh, climate change alarmism and so that's kind of what I'm thinking now is the the kind of person that who wrote this story uh, not only who wrote the story but also the intended reader, the intended audience of this sort of story. Um, who is it that is this caught up in climate change alarmism that they're going to write a story suggesting that our pets are part of the climate change problem? I mean, who, who thinks like this? And so, um, Here's the headline of a recent CNN story, the one I'm talking about, and the Blaze article talks about. Our pets are part of the climate problem. These tips can help you minimize their carbon paw prints. Okay, so our pets are now a target of the left's ecofascism. And again, I have to ask myself, what kind of demented, dystopic world do the people who think of these sorts of things live in? And apparently, I'm not the only one who's asking myself this question. Uh, this uh, writer from The Blaze, uh, Paul Saka, uh, he's basically... Uh, asking the same thing talking about basically um the absurdity of this line of thinking and it points out how when this um story was released online about from cnn about the pets being a uh, ecological problem uh it was severely ratioed on twitter and a lot of uh, comments were made. And uh, so this article goes through a few of them describing them. So courtesy of The Blaze, um, let's get into this article. The latest scapegoat for climate change is your lovable dog and cuddly cat. According to CNN, pets are a negative impact in regards to climate change, 
CNN gave green advice on how to reduce your pet's, quote, carbon paw print, including feeding your canine companion insect-based food and adopting small rodents instead of dogs. Late last month, CNN published an article titled, Our Pets Are Part of the Climate Problem. These tips can help you minimize their carbon paw prints. The article went largely unnoticed until CNN promoted the article on social media, where it was widely ridiculed. CNN claimed that pets, quote, play a significant role in the climate crisis. The outlet argued that the meat-heavy diet of pets is accelerating climate change. The article cited in a 2017 study, or the article cited a 2017 study that contended that feeding cats and dogs have the same carbon impact as 13.6 million cars on the road. The author conceded that you don't have to eliminate your furry friend, but you should embrace climate-friendly practices when it comes to having a pet. And so again, um, we have to look at the kind of mentality that person, it would take for a person even to write this. And what kind of person do they think of is going to be receptive to this sort of message? And I'm glad that CNN says, you know, the author conceded that you don't have to eliminate your furry friend, but you should embrace climate-friendly practices when it comes to having a pet. Now, of course, you know, I think we all want to embrace as much as possible you know environmentally friendly things like we try and do in everything we do you know we try and have the least impact on the client we can but we don't do that um we don't sacrifice our our happiness and our well-being and our companionship of pets for this and so we continue on with the article. Uh, CNN advised pet owners to feed lab-grown meat and insects to their dogs. The article said insect-based pet foods are a nutritious source of protein. And so my own kind of commentary on this is they're trying to normalize this artificial food and the use of this instead of... Um, using regular beef and chicken and fish or, or whatever. They, they're trying to legitimize and normalize in the idea of the reader that this is okay. And so they're trying to, I think, gradually introduce this idea of lab-grown meat and insects. Um, first to your dogs and cats, but later to us. That's what they have in mind for us also, you know. You will eat the bugs, as they say. And so this is trying to normalize this by first normalizing it incrementally with our with regards to our pets and finally to us. But let me get back to the article, see what they think about it. Uh, the art the author suggests picking up your dog's ex excrement and deposing the poop in a toilet okay we can 
you that. Um, the article recommends cat owners use an environmentally friendly kitty litter that is not made from clay. Now, maybe you probably want to use the cheapest and most effective kitty litter, whatever that is, whether it's made from clay or, or whatever. Um, but here's the thing. My guess is that these environmentally friendly alternatives, as most environmentally friendly alternatives are, are very expensive. They're more expensive than the normal thing. Like, my guess is that this environmentally friendly kitty litter um, is more expensive than using regular clay or, or some mixture. So, and meanwhile, their policies, you know, making us pay more and more for energy and their inflationary policies make it harder for us to to afford all of this stuff. So they'll, they probably want to pay more. I'm, I'm just assuming, I don't know, but probably they want us to pay more for kitty litter. Uh, meanwhile, while reducing our ability to pay more through, because of inflation, because of all of their other social justice priorities. All right, back to the article. CNN instructed people on what kind of breed of dog they should have. Quote, so you might consider smaller breeds or species if you're aiming to minimize your impact on the planet, the article reads. A Chihuahua's carbon paw print will be much smaller than a St. Bernard, for example. And this would be laughable if this person didn't mean this in earnest and wasn't saying this in a non-ironic way. But, um... We'll see. Um, it's it's amazing just the mentality that goes through this blows my mind. All right, uh, CNN even advises people not to adopt a dog at all, but instead get a smaller animal with less of a carbon footprint, such as birds, turtles, and small rodents. Reaction on Twitter lambasted and mocked the CNN article, and well, it should though. All right, can't wait to see this. Um, actor James Woods declared, quote, Okay, that's it. Enough is enough. These liberal lunatics have gone after our guns, our cars, our money, our children. But when they go after our furry schnootbergers, that's game on. And I agree with James on that one. Writer Ian Miles Chung wrote on Twitter, Environmentalist, quote, Kill your pets. They'll get rid of their carbon footprint. It's a little harder line on that. Uh, singer Phil LeBonnet said, quote, PETA and climate activists are going to come for your dog. Right? And now I just want to point out there that the article he's making, that could be accused of being a slippery slope or, um, um, statement, right? They're, they're going to come for your dog. But how many uh, slippery slope uh, statements regarding, you know, other areas that prove true? You know, we were told when uh, gay marriage was legalized that that's, that's it. 
And some people said, well, you know, next you're going to be trying to legalize uh, pedophilia and things of that nature. And they said, no, 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 slippery slope, slippery slope. You, you're, you're using the logical fallacy. And turns out that, yeah, that is an increasing sentiment among some, among some people who, who advocated for that. So, yeah, so the slippery slope is real. Um, and it's becoming less and less fallacious when um, talking about things that are coming from the left. So getting you know going for your coming for your dogs and cats um is unfortunately believable from for from these people all right a twitter user pointed out quote cnn gets worse every day dogs and cats generally eat the parts of meat that people don't so i don't see how this even makes sense that's yeah, true you know beef beef byproducts right they eat all of the things that human beings don't eat unless you live in Philadelphia and eat Scrabble. But otherwise, it's, you know, what you're feeding to the dogs and the hogs. A commentator added, Vanderbilt Cooper will still fly around on his private jet, but you want us to get rid of Fido to stop climate change. And of course, the CNN people would vehemently deny that they're for getting rid of your dogs. I mean, well, you know, they want you to get rid of Fido the dog and have Fido the hamster or Fido the gerbil or, or Fido the rat. But dogs, you know, it's too much, too, too big of a carbon paw print. Um, so, again, uh, leftists trying to use clever language um, with that so that didn't escape me and uh, they thought I wouldn't notice but I did um, so yeah I'm glad I'm glad to see this my guess is I didn't read the Twitter responses mainly because I'm not on Twitter I mean I'm try it's enough of a cesspool just dealing with some of the things on Facebook and interacting with just the, the news stories from the sources without going on Twitter and engaging in that. So, but good. If this is a uh, good idea, gives a, a good idea of how, of how many people and what people are saying about this, it's good for them. It's it's actually kind of heartening to see that people are crying foul, no pun, no pun intended, um, about this pet story. Um, because it's just one in a huge line of things that the um, eco-fascists expect us to give up. Like the one person, I think it was James Wood, that that said, um, uh, okay, that's enough. Enough is enough. These liberal lunatics have gone after our guns. Yes, they're doing that. Our cars. Yes. Our money. Yes. They want changes to, uh, Bitcoin or, you know, tr digital currency so that they can track our every move and, and 
and gain control over us. So yes, our children. Yep. Um, you know, the, uh, books, the X-rated books in children's libraries and drag queen story hours. So yep, he's right there. But when, uh, they go after our furry schnoot burgers, um, I guess that is what he refers to his pets as, but, uh, game on. Um, and again, I agree with his sentiment. Um, the funny thing, this is what's going to cause people to draw a line. It's like, they don't care about taking your guns away and they're not, um, savvy enough to understand the motivations between making us, ch uh, change to digital currency and they're okay or they're oblivious to what's happening to our children or afraid to speak out because they feel like they want they they don't want to be called uh homophobe or uh, transphobe or anything like that so they're going to speak out again they're not going to speak out against um you know drag queen story hour but um, when they go after our furry friends, that's where they're going to draw the line. And, um, you know, Woods, James Woods is being ironic here, but sadly, that's probably where people are. Where, like, the average person, low-information voter, um, that's probably what actually gets them to draw the line on this. If you, st if you start messing with your dog or your cat i mean just look at all of the dog and cat videos out there um you know it's not just conservatives who are uh, fascinated by cat videos um and of course PETA and ethical treatment of animals is also a big thing particularly on the left and the left loves their pets because one of the few things we still have in common is that we tend to love our pets. Some of them um, believe that we oppress our pets and our pets are a victimhood uh, minority class that should have full rights of people. But those, for the time being, I think, are just on the extremes. But even the left, even the normal you know, liberal person, classical liberal person, even the libs of TikTok person probably is not willing to even countenance the idea of parting with their cat or dog or, you know, trading down to a rat or a gerbil or a mouse or a triantula or whatever for their pet. I think they're going to they're always going to be dogs as pets in the Western world. You know, in other cultures, they don't see, they don't have dogs as pets. They're not members of the family. But in the Western world, uh, they are. And so this is also a furtherance of the left's attack on everything Western. So it's the, you know, we've seen them attack our art, our literature, our music, anything that's 
uniquely or specifically embraced by the West, you know, the Judeo-Christian religions, okay, that um, make up our Western civilization, there is a full-pronged attack on that. And what someone apparently noticed on the left is like, hey, pets are a big thing, um, being, you know, as being part of a family in the West. So that's one more thing. Um, so I don't think it's too cynical to suppose that the person who wrote this, the original CNN article, um, that's maybe what they had in mind. It's certainly the overriding emphasis where maybe the individual writer who wrote this isn't um, targeting Western civilization per se with their article suggesting we should downsize our pets. But it is part of a greater effort to basically destroy everything that is Western culture. Okay. And again, I will, would challenge you to think of any uniquely Western institution, particularly when it comes to arts and humanities, that the left hasn't attacked. Okay, they've attacked our literature. Um, you know, they've attacked, uh, you know, in particular, the Lord of the Rings, where they're making this um, Amazon Plus or Amazon Prime has this abomination of their Lord of the Rings spinoff series. You know, it's basically fan fiction from what I understand, um, I haven't watched any of it, but you can, but you know, the left has this almost pathological need to destroy anything. And of course this comes with race and gender swapping characters, um, things of that nature. You see that in uh, movies, you know, comic book based movies, you know, genre that I'm a fan of personally, you see them constantly race and gender swap um, the, the characters, um, even to the point where, you know, Disney Plus was really, they took a lot of flack when they tried to introduce a black version of Ariel, who was portrayed in another Disney property as being a white woman, you know, well, white mermaid woman. And so that was um, heavily criticized. And I think the misunderstanding is when they, they say this on the, on the part of the left is they think that we are criticizing, we're being racist or what have you when we see these sorts of things. But the thing is, they are so upfront and in your face about it. They are, they are it's a provo provocation whenever they, they do anything like this. And so, you know, as I said, our, our pets are now a target of the left's um, perverse brand of eco-fascism where anything 
at all. They can, any kind of institution they can destroy, they're going to do that. Um, and so my question, my rhetorical question still stands is what kind of a demented dystopic world do these people live in? I think part of the answer comes from they are, um, if you kind of look at the big picture and look at um, this whole movement on more of the macro level, because um, I've been reading this book, you may have read it or seen it yourself, and it's The Psychology of Totalitarianism by Matthias Desmond. And I'm only about halfway done, but so far it's a really excellent book. Um, it's about um, what's called mass formation psychosis. I know that's a bad word. Um, maybe Dr. Malone used it on Joe Rogan and, and people went, Haywire. The left went haywire when Dr. Malone used it um, in reference to the COVID situation. But um, in this book, um, Matthias Desmet, um, he talks about uh, in great deal about all the crazy things that we did here, particularly in the West, all of the authoritarianism that happened and in America and Europe and then particularly more more so probably in Anglosphere you know uh, Great Britain and the Commonwealth countries Canada New Zealand and Australia they went uh, full uh, totalitarian or full authoritarian maybe not totalitarian yet but I know Trudeau's kind of working out on it um, needs maybe a couple more years to to get it where he needs it to be but anyway so this book here um, talks about this and the idea of mass formation psychosis and so you know if you haven't read this book I'll be talking about it I can pretty much guarantee more on this show and it will be, you know, on the dystopic journal. We normally talk about fiction, but um, this is a work of nonfiction that kind of describes how those fictional worlds operate and how they get to be and how we get to a world where uh, we're just a hair's width away from being in uh, Orwell's Oceania. Uh, in 1984 uh, in his world and how close we are to um, what's going on or what happens in um, Ayn Rand's book particularly um, Atlas Shrugged and other works of dystopic fiction so this book The Psychology of Totalitarianism by Matthias Desmet and apparently, um, I've heard him in, being interviewed, I forget, maybe in, on Glenn Beck, but uh, he's he, apparently not a native uh, English speaker, 
But the idiomatic phrases he used in this book, I don't know who his translator was, um, but they did a really good job. He does speak English, but um, it's not his first language. But whoever, so whoever helped him with the translation, I mean, good for him getting um, some, you know, uh, idiomatic expressions uh, used mostly in the English-speaking world, into this book. I, you know. So, anyhow, you'll probably be hearing about this book. Um, so, let's read from the, while we're doing this commercial, unpaid advertisement for this book. Um, let's read the dust cover, the inside jacket cover. Let's see what it says. Um, in the psychology of totalitarianism, world-renowned professor of clinical psychology, Matthias Desmet, deconstructs the societal conditions that allow collective hypnosis to, hypnosis to take hold. By analyzing the global pandemic, he identifies the phenomenon of mass formation and illustrates how, many, how humanity is being forcibly unconsciously led into a reality of technocratic totalitarianism, which aggressively excludes alternative views and relies on destructive groupthink, vilifying nonconformist thought as, quote, dissident. And so, which is interesting, because if you've been following the dystopic journal and the, um, Liberty Relearn podcast and or, um, but mainly at Dystopic Journal, you, you've heard me talk about how in this book, which is a uh, work of dystopic fiction, um, it describes uh, fictitiously the things that happen in this book. So where it's talking about um, basically, you know, the Ingsoc party, just to make the date long, short story short, uh, Ingsoc party is the party of big brother in 1984. And it is the only party and it is a completely totalitarian regime. And so it's illegal basically to have any thought other than what's approved, the approved narrative of Ingsoc or the single party system. You can't have any independent thought. Okay, it's basically outlawed. If you're found to have an uh, independent thought that doesn't match the party line, the Big Brother party line, you are taken away and you are dealt with in re uh, re-education. Um, so that's what happens in 1984. And so the, the psychology of totalitarianism uh, talks about how actually, because it's referring to other real-world totalitarian regimes, such as um, fascist Germany, fascist Italy, um, China, and probably North Korea. So I'm only halfway through the book, but it's, it's, I can already tell this is, this is a must-read, so... You know, having only got halfway through the book, yeah, just, just go get it if you have a chance. All right, so 
the other all right, finishing off the dust jacket. So Dismit offers a sharp critique of this groupthink, which has grown steadily and inexorably during the coronavirus crisis. He cautions against the dangers of our current societal landscape, media consumption, and reliance on manipulative technology, offering simple solutions, both individual and collective, to prevent the willing sacrifice of our ability to think critically. The psychology of totalitarianism serves as an indisputable and fundamental guide to understanding this key moment in history. And I don't know who wrote this, but, um, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but so how does this relate to what I was, what we were talking about with regards to the pets? Well, attacking our pets, that's a, when they, remember, uh, Marx talked about breaking up the nuclear family. That's not a novel idea. Uh, breaking up the family is well the family is one of the things that insulate us from all of these crazy things right and this is why in this article they say well you know they've you've gone you know james wood says you've gone too far you know when they come after our our pets and i think that's where they make a mistake doing this so your homework is and i'm going to post this um, if you were, I haven't already seen it in Getter. Okay. So check out at LR podcast and check out the post where I, uh, post this, uh, it's in the blaze news and repost it because this is a way that we can get to people again, what Woods is talking about here is that people completely who don't care about anything else, they don't take away, you know, you don't worry about your guns, they don't own a gun, you know, they don't maybe don't have kids or they want to look the other way, uh, cars, money, they don't understand what what's going on with regards to the money, but just don't mess with our pets. And that's really where you're going to reach people and so yeah post this online find this in either on at lr podcast so repost it if you're on getter or find it online in um blaze news it's fairly recent so she be you should be able to find it uh easily and again the story uh, in Blaze News, is, once again, is called CNN ridiculed for blaming pets for impact on climate change, advocating, quote, insect-based food and adopting small rodents instead of dogs. And again, this is a good one to repost, uh, maybe even to your friends who don't normally, maybe don't share political stuff with all your friends. Maybe this one will be the exception, but definitely this is a good one because this is where most people are at. You can't talk to them about guns because, you know, people have made up their mind a long time ago about guns and cars. 
they're going to follow the thing, you know, electric vehicles, you know, they're, they're going to follow whatever they're told about electric vehicles and they're going to follow you so far. But when you talk about, uh, we start messing with their pets, this is, um, this may be something that you can get through to at least some people. Again, that's the problem I dedicated the entire podcast last week to getting through to people. It's something, and it's, that's really what this whole uh, Liberty Relearned idea is about, is being able to formulate the ideas and the ar- arguments that you can use to counter, counter um, these ridiculous ideas. And some, you know, some um, ideas are easier to counter than others, and I think this is one of them. So yeah, like and share. I think this is this is a good one that maybe you can get through to people for. So and so yeah, this is basically part of a bigger thing. Now again, the idea of our pets being targets of the uh, eco-fascist left. Um, you have to understand it's part of a bigger thing. And again, the family, as, as Marx recognized, is one of the few things that can get away with even someone's affiliation with class. And, you know, if you, you know, it can stand in the way of their agenda, basically the Marxist agenda or any of its variations, eco-fascism, fascism, socialism, communism, what have you, any of its variations that ask you to do stupid things. Um, you know, countries um, like Sri Lanka, for instance, they forwent the use of nitrogen-based fertilizer and, and went all organic in search of a high ESG rating. You know, and they got their high ESG score at the expense of their entire country. And now you see countries like uh, the Netherlands following suit and doing these um, foolish, um, you know, acts of economic suicide and national suicide for their, their country. And it's part of again, this mass formation psychosis that, um, just name, uh, Matthias Desmond talks about in his book. Um, also it's, it's a word that you've heard before, you know, mass hysteria, mass formation psychosis is, I guess, a more technical term for it, but generally mass hysteria. And we all know that we all seen it, you know, when the, the, Toilet paper was cleaned off the shelves. That was mass hysteria. When you have all of the Karens just freaking out about people not wearing masks and later not getting inoculated, um, that's mass hysteria. And all of the draconian measures, all the lockdowns that were futile, um, but we underwent in many places and along in the globe. 
particularly at the beginning of the COVID crisis. That was mass hysteria at work. People are convinced. And one of the things that the, the book talks about, which is interesting, is that people will really get defensive once they're locked into this mass formation psychosis they get very defensive about it and it does get to the point of almost being a religion for them and you have heresy basically for lack of a better word so you have the idea of heretical beliefs Again, that's something that Orwell picked up on, too, is anything that went against the party was heretical and therefore had to be stamped out. In the real world, it's, it's the same way. And so you have all these heretical beliefs. Uh, some of them are that the family is actually important. That's one of the heretical beliefs that stand in the way of these uh, psychopaths, for lack of a better word, and what they want, their total domination of Western world. I know there's a kind of conspiracy theorist kind of talk here, but what is it then? If, if, if they're not after control over everything, you know, what is the purpose of the world economic forum? Okay. If they don't want to affect everything that's going on in the world, then why are they having a weird world economic forum? Why are they not uh, called the Swiss economic forum or the German economic forum or the Klaus Schwab economic forum? They're called the world economic forum for a reason. It's because they want to affect and basically control what happens in the entire world. They're pretty much upfront about it, you know, just like they are with the Great Reset. They're very upfront about the Great Reset. It's not a conspiracy theory. Klaus Schwab literally wrote a book about, called The Great Reset. And then he goes on to say um, about, um, well, he endorses all of these ideas about eating bugs and of course you probably endorse this idea too about uh downsizing your pets and feeding your pets uh, artificial food and food made from bugs um never mind if it costs three to five times more i don't know how much it actually costs but yeah you can be sure that all of these things they're you know almost always cost more than their normal world counterparts um, so that when you have your non-clay kitty litter your environmentally correct non-clay kitty litter um, and you're paying more you're supposed to be glad to pay more even though they're making actively making your dollar or euro worth uh, something less um, through their own foolish practices and so anybody who and whenever as I'm reading this book about um, the psychology of totalitarianism, and by the way, I'm very impressed with myself being able to say totalitarianism without messing it up. I probably jinxed myself 
and I'll probably stumble upon it next time I try and say it. But to be able to say that word, um, I'm very pleased and impressed with myself. So please, um, if that is not worth a thumbs up or a star, you know, a like and subscribe, I don't know what is. So I managed to to say totalitarianism um, probably about 10 times now in one podcast without fail. I'm very impressed if you've, if you've uh, heard or seen any of the other podcasts where I try to say that word. Uh, you know what a feat that is, actually. But I have been practicing. And so now I'm going to try and master authoritarianism, too. Um, but, you know, one thing at a time. So anyway, getting back to the topic at hand... Um, now that I, and oh, like I said, only maybe halfway through this book, I'm thinking back and now everything I see, I see the, uh, mass hysteria, the mass, uh, hypnosis link to it. And once you see it, it's one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it. And so, and we kind of knew from the beginning, you know, Dr. Malone, you know, probably was first to put a word to it, you know, uh, mass formation psychosis and, uh, on, uh, Joe Rogan's show. And, but it is true. And it's interesting. Also, it's very telling the left's reaction to that word. And I've already seen, you know, with regards to mass, because I was looking up um, mass, or yeah, yeah, mass uh, formation psychosis, trying to do research on it, which led me to buying this book, actually. And one thing is they're very keen to discredit it, called it a debunked theory. Now, I'm reading this book, of course, you know, you're always going to be you know, the author is always going to put his best arguments forward. Um, but I think this this author is on pretty sound, logical ground when he comes to making his case. Uh, talking about what, ha- what we did with COVID and uh, examples of what happens in mass hysterias about how people get very defensive and they have to protect their that world even that this the their dystopia that they live in that they've put themselves in and put everybody else in um they're very protective of it and so that's one of the things and you see the behaviors and say yes i seen that i remember seeing that i remember thinking that this person is a little bit too attached to the idea of, I don't know, um, people getting inoculated. You know, you're, you've got the shot. You're inoculated. Why are you, why do you care if, if I get it too? You know, why, why are you so interested in everybody else getting it too? Um, and so you see things like that and you see, you see, you start to see it everywhere. And of course, this CNN article ties into that is because, well, the, the hysteria, the mass hysteria that they're talking about, of course, is the 
the climate change um, fear-mongering that constantly goes on. And so that is, has basically become their religion. And basically in some parts of the book, he actually compares um, the fear-mongering around these things, you know, COVID and, and uh, climate change as basically to religious levels. These are what um, happens when you take God out of your society and replace him with science, well, you still, you know, to use the maybe overused expression, you know, you have this God-shaped hole in your heart still or in your soul. And you're going to fill that with something. And so you're going to fill it with, you know, science or the science. And so he goes on to explain in his book about how it started kind of innocently with the idea of the great enlightenment, which I think a lot of positive things came from, right? But we also have the scientific advances, you know, talks about, he talks about Galileo, he was persecuted, but eventually other scientists caught on and then they studied his scientific method. And then the idea was that it was discovery for discovery's sake. It was learning for learning's sake. And it had this like innocence to it. And the purpose of science was simply to understand the word, the world more. And to, it was a way of questioning the world around you. You know, what happens when you mix, um, salt and water or this element and that element what happens when you mix these two elements what happens or what happens when you freeze something or boil something or, or whatever and that was all it used to be just a, the instant pursuit of knowledge where people were just interested and in say okay we're gonna do this what happens when we mix a with b and then you get element or compound C or whatever. Or what happens, um, you know, if we see the moon here, this part of the year, and it's here in a different part of the year, and it's here in a different part of the year, where is it going to be uh, five or six months from then? And so originally the whole idea of the Enlightenment, and a lot of, a lot of it was called the Enlightenment, was because of this, pursuit of knowledge for the sake of the sincere uh, asking and answering questions and it was not wrong to question it matter of fact the, the idea of science is that you're going to question it you have hypothesis you question that hypothesis you develop ways to test it and then the idea is that someone can duplicate those experiments and test that hypothesis again and sooner or later um, the idea is that there is a consensus, and that's sort of where it breaks down. When you get the idea of scientific consensus, um, you know, the, the, the climate change activists like to say that there is consensus about climate change. Um, what they don't, you know, they'll say things like 97% of scientists believe in global warming or climate change or whatever the question was. What they don't tell you is that some of those scientists had, 
were in fields like biology or things that had absolutely nothing to do with climate change. You know, something, you know, someone who's studying the uh, rotation of quasars in outer space and, you know, he doesn't know what affects the climate on Earth. And so they're saying scientists, but these are scientists that they refer to are not scientists um, who have studied the climate and geology and meteorology and things like that. Um, but they've gone with a 97% uh, figure based on, you know, a small handful of, of scientists. I forget how many. I think a couple hundred, I think. But anyhow, they use that and... Now, anything that goes against the scientists' um, um, consensus, you know, has to be the truth. And so that's the other idea. Uh, it used to be the idea that you could find objective truth like 1 plus 1 equals 2. And now um, these scientists have been corrupted. And he, he talks about that in his book about the changing purpose of science and how we use science and how now the science, you know, it's the tyranny of experts, right? We have our elected leaders, they defer to the quote-unquote experts, you know, like Dr. Fauci on how to deal with the uh, COVID pandemic. And so we, we refer to the experts and then he also points out that for every expert on your side, well, as I mentioned also, um, there's an expert that I can, uh, point out, you know, if you have a study that favors the use of masks, I can find a study that show they don't work. If you have a study that shows the COVID vaccine works, I can show you one where that shows that there's problems with it. And so whatever side of the coin the scientific coin you on, you can find a study to back that up. And of course, people are making studies because they're getting grant money. And so there is a bit of corruption in what the, the studies. And so they're going to study whatever they can, whatever they can get funding for. And which reminds me, there was a group of scientists and it's Boston University they came up with a version of the Omicron virus. Uh, it's supposed to be 80 times more lethal than the regular virus because they combine it with the old original strain of COVID with the Omicron variant, which is much more transmissible. And they came up with one that was 80 times uh, more potent, more deadly supposedly than the original coronavirus and so my thought is again what kind of person does this what kind of sick person engages in this study and you know it's kind of like uh jeff goldblum's character in jurassic park you know they never they get so excited about whether they could they never ask themselves whether they should and so you have the same kind of phenomenon here. You have these people that are so excited 
they're getting money from, by the way, apparently Dr. Fauci's organization um, granted them some money. And so they came up with this uh, super deadly virus, which, by the way, it's not gain-of-function research. Somehow they gain the function, but it's not gain-of-function research because, you know, that's conspiracy theorists now because now that enough of us have learned what that is, uh, now they have to change, they have to move the goalposts. And now, oh, no, that's not gain of function. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it sounds like you're gaining function from small percentage to huge percentage. That's kind of a gain of function. But, you know, it's it's semantic games that they play. Anyhow, I completely lost my uh, train except to tie this in. Again, everything ties in to you have a group of people, these experts, they've convinced themselves that they are the ones who know what's best for us. And so they want us eating bugs. They're not going to eat bugs. Uh, they're going to continue to eat beef and, and fish and poultry. They're not going to eat the bugs. You're good deal. The ordinary people is going to have to eat bugs because they will be the only ones in their world, if they get their way, they'll be the only ones who can afford uh, real meat, not lab processed meat. They'll, they, they will have what they want. They'll, they'll continue to get what they want, um, but you won't. And so part of that is attacking members of our family, the family itself, and including up until and including our family pet. And that is why, where most people will draw the line. And that's why they're wise not to pursue that angle. And that's why we're wise to say, hey, look, this is what CNN says. This is what apparently they believe in. Uh, they want you to downsize Fido or Kitty. Um, so thank you for watching. And we're going to leave it there. Again, um, talked about a lot of books so far on the show. Uh, 1984, good work of fiction. How we got there, um, the psychology of totalitarianism by Matthias Desmet. Um, I think Matthias Desmet owes me a little bit of money now for advertising his book, but anyway, it's godly done actually because it's so insightful. And like I said, you start you getting you get a few chapters into this book as I have, and you just can't unsee it. You'll see signs of the mass. Uh, psych formation psychosis everywhere and I can't wait to finish this book and talk more about it to you guys about it and discuss what I've learned and maybe you can discuss with me what you've learned about it you know so anyway thank you for watching thank you following for following the Liberty Relearn podcast uh, please follow us online on Facebook Liberty Relearn follow the LR podcast on getter at LR podcast Follow the Dystopic Journal and the LR Podcast on JP Mac, on Rumble. Maybe you're watching this on Rumble now. If you are, please like and subscribe if you haven't already. If you have, then thank you very much. And one more thing you can do, buy some gear, support capitalism, go to the LR shop. And we'll figure out how to tell you how to do that if you don't already. Go to LR.com, LibertyRelearn.com and go to the shop tab. So thank you very much. 
And until next time, stay healthy, happy, and free.